This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Why, yes, I am feeling a draft. The NBA draft is Thursday night. We will go Wolf-centric on Scoop Podcast episode 154, being recorded on Monday afternoon, the 18th of June. I will get to a few Wolves notes after a conversation with ESPN's Brian Windhorst, as good an insider as there is in the business. He's been doing it a long time. He's a good friend of the podcast. Let's catch up with Brian, get the national perspective on the Wolves, what he's hearing. Plus, I can certainly ask him about LeBron. LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, and any number of national NBA talkers. So let's now bring into the conversation Brian Windhorst. Brian, always appreciate your time. Feel free to speak your mind. I don't think the aggregators care about this lowly podcast. So I know I've, I've I've learned I've learned my lesson on that one. I'm not saying anything, Darren. <laughs> I'm just telling you though, I don't think they care about the lowly scoop podcast. So speak as freely as you want. All right, let's start with the national perspective as we generally do on this podcast when we have you on all right on the wolves i mean it should be a fascinating offseason maybe not as fascinating as last year when they had all that salary cap space but they have a number of potentially intriguing trade pieces they've got derrick rose unrestricted free agent they got nemanja bielitsa restricted free agent they have picks 20 and 48 on thursday from what you're hearing how active are the wolves right now what do you foresee them doing here the next handful of weeks I'm really interested to see what Bielitsa, if he gets much action in free agency. Because um, I I like him. I've liked him for a couple of years now. His first year didn't do as much, but I thought he's developed kind of nicely. I don't know. He's kind of in and out, I know. But, um, you know, they, uh, they're they going to need um, uh, some scoring because they're going to lose Jamal Crawford quite clearly. Mm-hmm. Um they don't have a lot of flexibility. The other thing is you got to wonder um, with the amount of money that they are going to be committed to uh, in the future, how much money they're willing to spend. Uh, whether they're willing to, to I, I don't know if uh, if they've said. I haven't seen anything about whether they said where they intend to use their exceptions. But if they do, it wouldn't surprise me if they were one year um, exceptions because uh, this is a it's a pretty heavy um, uh, payload that they're carrying right now. Um, the other thing I'm interested in seeing is if they try to do an extension with Jimmy Butler this summer. Now, I know that it makes the most sense for Butler to wait until mm-hmm. next year, but um, there could be a shared you know, motive to do something this summer, um, especially since he's now coming off this knee issue. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he has no interest in that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had some discussions about it. But I don't see them making a um, a huge splash in free agency. Um, uh, I I don't think they. Uh, that's not the way they're going to build this team. They need to uh, get better from within. You know, um, Carl Towns and uh, uh, you know needs to play and, and develop a little bit more. And I don't know where Wiggins is. I mean, but their development's going to be with their young guys turning into the type of players that uh, they have the talent to become. I don't think it's going to be uh, a major splash, especially after last year when they were the big actor on draft night. I wouldn't be surprised if they make their picks and uh, and move on. 
I am curious to see if they end up shopping Wiggins. Now, who knows if they can get anything in return for a guy about to start a $148 million extension. But I have to believe internally, Brian, they are still trying to figure out how Wiggins and Butler will coexist for the next handful of years, presuming that Butler does have some interest. And I don't think it'll be this summer. I think you're right. I mean, I think you have to approach him and his agent. But if you're Jimmy, I think you have to wait, don't you? I think you wait a year. But in their minds, I think they're still trying to figure out if Butler and Wiggins can coexist for the next handful of years together. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's sort of uh, a divide with, uh, not within the team, but there's kind of two sets of players in the team, the older players um, and sort of the younger players. And um, how they mesh together is really going to determine how far this team can go. I mean, I, I think they had a, you know, they had a disappointing finish because of what happened with Butler and they faded, but it was still a really good step forward season for them. And they should be able to build on it. Um, uh, and, you know, they got what they were looking for. You know, they spent a lot of money in free agency. They brought in a lot of guys. They continued to add to the team throughout the season. And, you know, generally those additions worked. I thought Butler had a pretty good season. Uh, I thought he was the exact type of player that they wanted to, especially after he took over. But, I mean, he took over because he saw that it needed to be done. And, um, you know, I think that he is willing to play, a, to play a role. I don't think he has to be that guy who controls everything. But as the season went along, he realized that, that was who he had to be. And so that will be, you know, a challenge to uh, Carl and, and Wynn Wiggins to, to, you know, make him a, a supporting character because as good as Butler is, they're never going to reach their potential if he's their best player. They need Towns and, and Wiggins to step forward. At least that's the way I see it. Maybe you see it differently. But uh, Jimmy Butler needs to be your second or third best player if you're going to have a, a real contender. And they're not going to acquire that guy they need the, the the guys they have on the roster to, to, to step up and do that. I mean, I wonder if Wiggins can ever be that guy. I mean, it's not like he's, I guess, age-wise, he's young. He just turned 23, but he's been in the league now you know, know. many years. So, you know, at this point, is he who we've seen? I guess the guy to me would be Towns. I mean, I think Towns still has transformational-type talent, has to bring it more some nights, certainly on the defensive end. But I think he can do so many things offensively. I think, you know, what you just laid out, I think it's Towns that would have to be the number one guy with Butler being the number two. Well, Towns has the type of talent that he could be a, a first-team All-NBA player. Um, and so, uh, you know, he's in the spot in his career where you would normally see that blossoming. And um, you know, I thought I was expecting a huge season from Wiggins, but there were some challenges. He had to adjust to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he had his moments. Um, I was happy to see him perform well down the stretch in the last game of the season. That was an important moment for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, what you want is you want Carl Towns to be the guy who's um, one of the top five to ten players in the league. He's got that type of of talent. He doesn't have to be a uh, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be a lockdown defender. I know that when he was a rookie, um, there was a lot of excitement because he showed the ability to switch out and defend guys in the perimeter. And it was like, wow, if you can get a guy who's that active out there, he could really be valuable. He has not proven that he is that he is that kind of defender. But he's got to be more competent on that end. He's got to be a beast on offense because we know that that is there. There are times when he can be an absolute beast. And if if he's competent defensively, 
and he can be the beast that he's got the talent to be offensively. There's no reason he he can't become uh, a top five to ten player. He's got that type of talent. And that's what the Wolves are frankly gambling on. And you know, I would assume that they're going to offer him a maximum extension this summer, and that's what they would be wagering on. Would be that he turns into that player. That's what they're going to be paying for. Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent, they make him the offer. I mean, I don't. But do you have any reason to believe? that he wouldn't sign immediately? I mean, you just don't turn down max money off rookie contracts. We've never seen it happen. Uh, we've never seen a guy turn it down. Um, you know, the other thing is he would have to request the Rose provision and to see if, you know, he's still got a window where he could qualify for that um, because he did uh, he did make the All-NBA team. Am I correct in saying that he last did, year? He did, yeah, 13, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he has a window where he can still qualify for that if he has a great year. So, um, uh, you know, that, that that would probably be the only negotiation is that the uh, I would assume that they're going to offer him a max contract, but then the, the, the possibility of getting that, you know, huge super max situation. Um, well, it's, you know, the, it's not really a super max, but whatever, the, the extra 5% of the cap, which um, would be significant money for him over five years. So, I would assume that that would be the you know the the basic haggling point about whether the Wolves want to do that, especially since he's already half qualified for it. If he gets one more All NBA team, uh, he's going to get it. So um, he certainly should ask for that, and I would expect his representation to. Um, you know, and as far as um, wherever he is with with the team, and you know where he is, um, you know, just on terms with with Thibs, I think ultimately what you have to believe is if you're Carl or if you're the organization, is that whatever those issues have are, that you're eventually going to have to get them ironed out and that you're going to invest in the talent no matter what. Um, but they do have definitely have issues to iron out. And, um, you know, both sides are highly motivated, especially if Carl accepts the extension. He's obviously highly motivated to, uh, to do that. And if they, he does accept the extension, he's going to have more longevity and more contractual power than Sibs. And so it'll be in Thib's interest to make sure that um, they can have a detente, although there's no guarantee of that. But I think if he accepts that contract, it kind of establishes the situation that, they're, that he's going to be there going forward, and that potentially can be a, a foundation to build off of. I mean, you're right. I mean, I do think there are issues to iron out. Now, I think, hey, they're adults. Just communicate. I mean, I think that's one of Tibbs' issues. At least some of the players look at it and say, I don't think Tibbs communicates the right way or, you know, heck, enough to me or to us as a whole. But I do think if Towns and Tibbs just talk like adults, they can iron out those issues. But it is interesting. I mean, you're right. I mean, on the surface, they win 47 games. You think about it. They hadn't been to the playoffs in 14 years. They get back to the playoffs. You know, heck, you would think 47 wins, a top five offense in terms of efficiency. There should be a lot to celebrate here. Yet I'm telling you, Brian, if you take the temperature – of a majority of the fan base, they are upset. I mean, they want Tibbs gone. You know, I don't know if it's just, you know, if it's, you know, he came in with this reputation as a good defensive coach. They haven't played a lick of defense outside of about a 10-game stretch late December into January over a two-year period. I don't know if it's the lack of three-pointers in this modern-day NBA where they were last in the NBA in in three points made. Maybe it's just a lack of communication overall. I mean, it's not like he's real media-friendly, but, hey, I've always argued he treats us all the same. I mean, he doesn't like any of us, really, for the most part. (laughs) So it's not like, you know, it's not like he's talking off the record to, you know, four reporters and then hates, you know, another nine. I mean, 
he treats all of us the same. So that's that's all I can ask for. But I'm just curious from your point of view if if it's fascinating to you that that there are so many fans that just don't like the guy yet he just won 47 games. Well, right. He's 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 definitely gruff. And uh, but you know it's interesting. Certain players that play for him have undying loyalty, and certain mm-hmm. players that play for him are completely turned off. He's not a and the way he operates is not as an inclusive person. It's kind. It's not. I wouldn't say it's his way or the highway, but it's his way or the doghouse. And um, you know that was you know he had issues. He ran into issues with that in Chicago, and they over the over the years they tried to to fight and strip things back from him, and they had little wars over stuff like the training staff and stuff like that, and that's why. When he walked away, he was only going to come back when he gets supreme power, and that's why I got to believe that he's why he's still holding on to it. And you know, the one thing I will say is that Scott Layden um, has made it a priority to be in lockstep with Tibbs, mm-hmm. especially after um, uh, that was such an issue in um, in Chicago. Um, you know, you have, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but you have seen the United Front from their uh, organization. So, um, but, you know, the thing about it is, is that when it's your way or the doghouse, um, if you're if you're not supremely successful, you open yourself up to that. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it's always fascinating to me, Darren, the way different coaches are perceived differently. Um, like, Brad Stevens makes mistakes. Um, you know, Brad Stevens at times gets out coached mm-hmm. but be, but because of his demeanor and because of the way he approaches things he gets a wide latitude <clears throat> um you know i actually thought for example in the eastern conference finals that ty lu uh outmaneuvered him at times with some of the some of the stuff that he did with his lineup changes and some of the stuff that he did with his strategy uh brent stevens won some of that too but um you know, Brad Stevens kind of—I wouldn't say he got out coached, but you know, Ty Lue cut off some things that Brad Stevens had going, and Brad didn't have antidotes for it. But all series long, all I heard was how Brad Stevens was the greatest coach in the world, and I even heard the preposterous thing that would you rather have LeBron James or Brad Stevens if you're starting a team? One of the stupidest questions I've ever oh, heard. Yeah. Um, and so some of some of what happens in the NBA is how you present yourself. And, um, you know, certain coaches are able to get away with stuff other coaches weren't. Other coaches aren't. And um, and Tibbs, because of the way he presents himself, because of the way he screams, like there was a, a, a classic moment that, that happened last year. It's just a little vignette um, that I think is fascinating about Tibbs. You know, I'm sure you'll, you'll remember the play. It was late in the game. They were winning, and it was like a steal-foul situation. And Carl Towns threw the ball out of bounds. Um, actually, threw the ball backwards, I think, to Jeff Teague, and he threw it out of bounds. Do you remember that play? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the game. Keep going. They they yeah. inbounded the ball. Uh, the other team had just scored. They inbounded the ball, and Towns threw the ball right back to Teague, and he threw it right out of bounds, and Tibbs whipped around and slammed his fist on the scorer's table and screamed uh, at, at Carl. I don't know if you're, you don't remember that at all. Yeah, was it the game in Cleveland? No, I don't think so. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe yeah, some yeah. people still remember. But I, what I thought was interesting about the play is that uh, Teague mounted the ball to Towns, and the, he, he mounted it right in front of the Wolves bench. 
and Tibbs screamed at Carl to throw the ball back to uh, to Teague <clears throat> because he knew they were going to foul, and he wanted Teague taking the free throws. And Teague wasn't paying attention, and Carl threw the ball into the into the uh, stands, and it was a turnover. It was almost cost him the game, but I don't think that it did. And Tibbs turned around and slammed his fist on the scorer's table. He was so angry. But he had ordered Towns to pass the ball. You know, he Towns had done what he said to do. And that's the thing about with Tibbs is that he is he's a maniac with calling every single switch and calling for all that stuff. Like, he is so deeply involved in the game that when you hold on that tight, um, it potentially you're going to have people that are turned off by it. And his whole demeanor and stuff like that, because it's so out there for everybody to see, it, he makes him more of a target at times. So, um, But he obviously does not care about that. He does not care about how he, the manner in which he presents himself. And so he's going to face a certain blowback, especially if there's any sort of, um, you know, underachievement because um, uh, of the demeanor that he that he does. And he also, you know, he's so gruff and stuff when he's on camera. And I know he has a method for that. There's a reason he's doing. He's not doing it because he's a jerk. He's trying to he's trying to accomplish something with that. But if you go that route, you know, it, you know, if 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 you go the Doc Rivers route and you're affable and everything like that, you're going to get more leeway. Than if you go the you know the military general route, and you have to understand that going in, and when he faces blowback and criticism for some of the way that he operates, and he he has to understand that that's part of what he has decided to do. And you think about this fan base here in Minnesota. I mean, Flip Saunders was was the ultimate people person, the late Flip Saunders. I mean, Flip got a lot of leeway because of his demeanor. Now, by the way, the game was in Los Angeles. It was a game against the Clippers in January. If you go to YouTube, put in Coach Thibodeau, irate after a bad turnover by Towns. You can see the video. Yeah, he just he went berserk. They ended up winning that game, if I'm not mistaken. But it was a game, Wolves against the Clippers from January. So thank you for, for you know jarring my memory. Yeah, I went to YouTube just, and, and found it quickly. Yeah, it was just that I just remember watching that clip closely. And I'm pretty sure he basically, Carl basically did exactly what he told him to yes. do. And, you know, and anyway, he's just, when you, when you, when you hold on that tight, you're going to face some blowback. But I mean, at 60 years old, I mean, we could all say, hey, Tibbs should change his demeanor. Is he really no 60? No way though, right? Yeah. He just, yeah. 60 years wow. old. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, at 60 no, years old, changing. he is who he is. He's, to me, he's not going to change. Well, I always said, you know, I spent some time talking to him um, when he was on his sabbatical. And then I came to the Wolves training camp that year uh, when he was the first year back, I guess two years ago now or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I went to see a couple of their preseason games, um, I remember one game was in uh, Kansas City, one game was in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I remember after, so I got to spend quite a bit of time with the Wolves I remember thinking to myself, this is not Tibbs 2.0. This is the app, <laughs> the app updated, but it's not Tibbs 2.0. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that's uh, um, that's kind of, I think, played itself out. Are you hearing any Gorgie Jang trade chatter? He's got three years, $42, $43 million left. It's, 
it's not a real easy contract to move, but I guess you could take back some money or you could add a sweetener like the 20th pick. Have you heard any chatter whatsoever about them shopping Gorgie? You know, if they were going to offload him, I would hope that they would have an intention with that money as opposed to just getting money off the books. Um, you know, here's the thing. I actually didn't hate that contract when it happened. I didn't either. I'm guilty. I thought the cap um, would keep going up, frankly. And there was a lot of big, there was a lot of guys in that sort of class that were signed to that kind of contract. And, you know, he, the year before he had really developed a nice, um, mid range jumper. I thought, um, you know, he could shoot a little bit, you know, he defended the rim. I, I was kind of down with that deal. Like, I'm not going to sit here and, and criticize. Now, the Aldrich deal, I didn't understand it at the moment. I didn't understand what the hell he brought. Um, uh, but that, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal. It's like $7 million a year. But, Gorgie, I, I didn't have a problem with that contract. The problem is nobody needs centers, okay? And in this draft, like the top, like, I don't know, maybe six of the top ten players or so, play either center or power forwards who will play center in the NBA. So not only is there not a big demand for centers out there, but, um, uh, you know, there's more coming in. And you also look at there's not that many teams out there that are willing to take on money. And I think the cost of taking on money, to take on three years of a contract, I think it's going to cost you two, two, two firsts at this point just because of the dearth of, uh, of space out there. So I kind of think that the Wolves are going to be stuck with that one. And uh, I would stick with him because I do think that he can help you win. I, th- I think he does some things to help you. But I do think the league's kind of moved away from him a little bit. And I don't really necessarily blame the Wolves. There's a whole bunch of teams who are in the exact same boat with a bunch of signs they made only two years ago. I'm okay, too, if you keep him. I mean, you know, Taj comes in, and, you know, Gorgie's minutes went way down. But, yeah, I mean, going back two years ago, I think he was their best pick-and-roll defender. He can knock down a shot. I think he makes the smart play more often than not. He's durable. He's tough. You know, there are things I like about Gorgie, so I'm okay if, if he sticks around. Yeah, on Cole Aldrich, there is a deadline coming up on Wednesday where his contract for next year is only partially guaranteed. I mean, there's no way they bring him back at $7 million. So I'll be curious to see if they can trade that contract. I don't know if you're hearing anything, but, but Wednesday with the deadline, I'm curious if they can concoct some sort of Cole Aldrich trade or if they just end up buying him out. Well, it depends, again, on how worried they are about that, that, that whatever that number is because, um, you know, they have the option of using the entire mid-level but what's what's their tax position? I mean, they got to be they got to be up against close. it if they yeah. use it. Yeah, I mean they're right so, up against it. Yeah. So I would be very if you think you can get a player that you would use in your rotation for Aldrich to take on some money, I would do it. But I think I think you're better off with letting him go and um, and having your mid level at your disposal because I think the mid level this year you'll be able to get some good players. The mid level for the first time in probably five years or so, will actually have value because there's just not that much. There's not much money out there for free agents. So you're going to be able to get some guys that value this year, in my opinion.
Yeah, and the Wolves. I mean, I like Avery Bradley myself. I don't know. Is there is there a wing type free agent that you like as as a fit? Maybe not only here in Minnesota, but just but just in general. Whether it's a Trevor Ariza, I don't know if Danny Green opts out of his contract, but he would be another intriguing name. It just it seems like there's a good amount of names. Will Barton, I guess, would be another name. I think you're right, though. I mean, they should be able to add some good player with the mid level. I think all of those guys are going to be available for around that eight million dollar figure. Um, and uh, they, that's not what they're thinking today, but that's, I think, you know, what the reality may be. Um, ideally, you'd like to get a two-way player, um, because. Uh, but I, I would like for them to get a younger guy. I, I know that Tibbs, you know, Tibbs has gone for older guys in free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd like to get a younger guy. Um, Bart is an interesting name. Uh, I haven't really thought much about his about his market. That that might be interesting. The Nuggets are probably not going to be able to keep him because they are, if they re-sign Nikola Jokic, um, they are going to be heading for the tax, and that's not a place where they want to go. So Barton is a, is a guy who will be available, I think, on the market. And probably, even though this, you know, if his agent was on the phone with us right now, he would be very upset and be like, no, no, he's a $14 million player. And I would say two years ago he would have been, but this year he may have to take the mid-level. So that would be that would be definitely an interesting player for the uh, for the Wolves to look at. You just educated me there. I mean, to me, the hurdle that the Wolves will have to climb over is, can you convince, whether it's Will Barton, Avery Bradley, any number of, of free agents, hey, come here, you will get minutes. I mean, Tibbs made some promises to Jamal Crawford that he didn't live up to. Now, Jamal didn't have the best of years. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not quite sure Jamal even earned the minutes he got. You know, but Tibbs, part of the recruitment of Jamal was, hey, you'll play the same amount of minutes you played the previous year with the Clippers. That was not the case. And to me, Jamal is friends with everybody. So I wonder if some of these free agents, if if they're considering Minnesota, reach out to Jamal, take Jamal's temperature on the situation here, and if Jamal gives them an honest assessment, he might say, hey, don't go to Minnesota because you're not going to play the minutes that you think you'll play. Darren, uh, Jamal's displeasure with Tibbs was was well known. <laughs> um, and also, I you know, I think there is a concern out there about whether or not Tibbs will do what's right for you in your career. Um, you know, so if you're taking a short contract without a lot of stability, um, that may be a concern because, you know, Tibbs is the type of guy that, you know, if you have a tweaked knee or a sore ankle, he might be on your face to play, whereas other teams will protect you a little bit more. That's, that's a reality that exists out there. Now, I guess um, the flip side of that, though, Brian, is, you know, whether it's a Joe Kim Noah, a Lou Aldang, there are guys that owe Tibbs a ton of credit for the amount of money they've made. Like I said, there are people out there who swear by Tibbs I know. as yeah. one of the greatest things that ever happened to them and guys out there who don't feel that way. Um, and I do think it's interesting that his Bulls players have have migrated back to him, and a lot of them love him. Um but you also look at a guy like Joe Kim Noah and a guy like Lou Aldang, and they're they're broken down. Once they left the Bulls, they were done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, some people would say that even though they got him paid, that um, you know he may have shortened their careers. But that would just be just people's opinions. But certainly, those opinions exist out there. I'll leave you after a couple more talking points. One of the guys that that thinks the world of Tibbs is Derek Rose. Can you imagine any sort of free agent market for Derek, or is he looking at the veteran minimum? He's such a confounding player. 
Um, because when you watch him play, he still has moments where he's very explosive. And he still has moments where he changes the game. And uh, you're like, oh, my God, this guy can still play. But as you watch him over the course of time, his teams don't seem to benefit with him on the court. Um, that was the case for the Knicks. That was the case for the Cavs. Um, you know, the Wolves stint was, was kind of short, and, and I know he had some moments. Um, but his, you know, his plus-minus for New York was terrible. His plus-minus for the Cavs was terrible. Um, it's just for some reason, uh, you know, some of the decisions he makes and some of the way he plays doesn't always seem to benefit the team. It, it's, a, it, it's strange. It's it's a confounding thing for fans because you know Derek has a lot of of fans, guys who swear by him, who just think he's you know um, yeah, still a dominating player, and Derek still thinks in certain cases he's a dominating player. But um, it's just it's strange. So my guess is there would be a very limited market for him, and that if he wanted to return the Wolves, he may hope for more. But my guess is it would be a veterans minimum. Then I see him back here. Speaking of Jamal, do you think Jamal Crawford will have much of a market? So here's the thing on Jamal Crawford. Um, there was a reason that the Clippers moved on when they did, uh, and there was a reason why some other teams weren't as interested in the Wolves. The scouts kind of saw Jamal eroding two years ago. You know, he's an ageless player, but they kind of saw him start to fade uh, his last year with the Clippers. And so I think Jamal Crawford at the minimum or the biannual <clears throat> is a really good value. And I think that there will be teams out there, excuse me, <clears throat> who, will, who will look for him, especially because he's just a good value at that price. Um, but remember, when you sign a player to that, that's what you get. Um, you're going to get a guy who, um, you know, is only – you, know, you don't want to rely on him. On certain nights when he has it going, you're happy to have him. On other nights when he doesn't have it going, you want to be able to have the option of taking him out of the game. That's where he is at this point. He's sort of a, situ- a situational player, um, sort of like the, uh, the crafty lefty who's 38 years old who can still throw good curveballs you bring in to get one guy out, but you'd never leave in for you know an inning. So somebody will definitely take him because he's a lightning scorer, but I think – he probably will. In my if I was giving him advice, I would say go to a place where you're going to be happy living, or you think you can win, and just take whatever they offer and just take a small role. I think that's where he's at in his career. All right. Well, then I see him with the Golden State Warriors. I will. I will leave you after this, Brian. Now this has all sorts of tentacles. I mean, can you offer much hope to Wolves fans? And I guess this is all encompassing with you know Kawhi Leonard's situation, maybe LeBron James going to a team in the Western Conference, you know, so can the Lakers, for example, jump up? Do the Phoenix Suns jump up with the number one pick? All the salary cap space they have. The Nuggets will have Paul Millsap back, you know, for a majority of the season, if not the whole season next year after he missed, what, three months last year? So you look at some of the teams that missed the playoffs in the West. I mean, the West is going to be another grind next year. So is there any hope you can offer Wolves fans? I think they're in pretty good. I mean, they don't have the roster that the that the Warriors do or the Rockets do. Okay, but from a sheer talent standpoint, they have three guys 
who potentially are all-stars. I mean, I, I don't know about Wiggins. I mean, we could sit here and talk for, about Wiggins for two hours, and I don't think <laughs> yes, we'd get we get anywhere. Yeah. Um, they have a talented roster. They have a roster that, <laughs> depending on various factors, is probably good enough to be a top-four team. We saw that's where they were before Jimmy got hurt. Um, I think they could still be there. Would I favor them to win the West? No. No, I wouldn't. But I still feel like they can be a top-four team if they get the most. Really, they need Carl to – Carl and Wiggins need to take another step. And if they do that, which that's a good place to be in because, you know – what you don't want to be in is say, boy, if we could just get an all-star player, if we could just get a franchise cornerstone on our team, we'd be great. There's a whole bunch of teams out there that are in that boat, that they have one good player or they have one and a half really good players and they need that next stage. That's why the Wolves traded for Jimmy Butler, because they felt like they, they were getting a player like that, and they did. So I think that they have the talent there right now to be a competitor. They don't have the talent to win a championship because they're playing in an era where maybe we've seen one of the greatest teams of all time. But Mm -hmm. they do have youth on their side, and that's what they need. They need Carl Towns Towns to be competing for first-team All-NBA. They need him doing it night in and night out, winning them games, 50-50 games, him winning them. He's got that kind of ability. And so that's what we're going to wait and watch and see see where that happens. I just think it'll be tough. I mean, you would know the LeBron situation as well as anyone, but if he does end up in Los Angeles, you know, I don't think the Spurs, even if they end up trading Leonard, I mean, they'll get a good return. They were good without him this past year. I just think it's really hard. And does Paul George end up back in OKC? I just think it's really hard to be a top-four team in the West. Yeah, we'll have to see where the Lakers are in in three weeks, for sure. Um, But just put it this way. The Wolves have what a lot of teams want, and that's high-end talent. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not easy to find that. They're not – I wouldn't say clear France the next June, but they're in, they're in a good position right now. They just need to take the next step forward, and I, and I do think that they can do that. I, I wouldn't say I feel great about their situation, but I think they're in a much better spot than about 80% of the teams in the league. Well put, Brian. I hope you feel better. We'll be following your work closely the next handful of weeks. Thanks, Darren. Have a good day. That was ESPN NBA reporter slash insider slash analyst Brian Windhorst. He is available across many, many platforms, as good as it gets when it comes to covering the NBA. And I know he's dealing with a cold, his little one. So that got transferred to him. It's a busy week for him, busy couple weeks, three weeks really, into into July. So I greatly appreciate him fighting through his cold to give us a rock-solid, what, 29 to 30 minutes. Now, I framed it in the form of a question when I brought up Gorgie Jang's name to Brian. I can tell you that he is available. Now, he was available in February, but with three years, 40-something million dollars left on his contract, it's not like teams are bending over backwards to acquire Gorgie Jang. Now, I do think the Nets are one team to keep an eye on when it comes to taking on money, but I think Brian's right. I think you need to attach multiple sweeteners. So is Gorgie Jang's contract worth moving if you have to attach, say, the 20th pick plus another asset, maybe a future one or a Justin Patton or a Tyus Jones? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's not like Gorgie is a bad player who's way too old, who's broken down. So you can make a case that holding on to Gorgie is not necessarily 
the worst thing. But I am told he is available. I don't get the sense that the Wolves are hardcore shopping him. I have yet to hear buzz that they're willing to attach a sweetener. But I do think teams are well aware that the Wolves are willing to move Gorgie Jang. On Cole Aldrich, the option for next year is slightly under $7 million. We know that Cole Aldrich won't be back with the Wolves at that number, $6.96 million. It's only partially guaranteed. So the Wolves have to make a decision by Wednesday, or they can pay him something like $1.5, 2000000 dollars or that's the cap hit, and he goes away. They could also stretch him. I mean, there's all sorts of different things they can do with Cole Aldrich. I think bottom line is we know that Cole won't be back with the Wolves next year at $7 million. I've yet to hear any trade buzz. I will add this on Aldrich. Here's a scoop for you. He recently had an injection for an Achilles injury. He was in a walking boot, still might even be in a walking boot. Now I'm told this injection he got, the platelet-rich plasma injection, has zero impact on the Wednesday deadline that the Wolves have to decide by will they what will they do with Cole Aldrich's contract but again the bottom line is we know that Cole Aldrich won't be back with the Wolves next year at 6.96 million dollars and I'm telling you he recently had a platelet-rich plasma injection for an Achilles injury and was in a walking boot might still even be in a walking boot but this is not any sort of long-term injury speaking of being in a walking boot first round pick a year ago from Creighton Justin Patton is out of his walking boot. So that is good news. Patton again had surgery to repair a broken bone in his left foot going back to April. Initially had surgery last summer, then again in April. So two surgeries for Patton. Got in for what? Just a little tiny bit in one of the Wolves games toward the end of the season. Played well in limited minutes because he was recovering from the surgery last summer with the Iowa Wolves, but there is potential. I mean, he's seven feet. He can put the ball on the floor. He can shoot. He's got moves. I mean, a healthy Justin Patton, or at least close to healthy Justin Patton, presumably can earn some minutes in the Wolves rotation. So we'll be monitoring his progress the next handful of months. But do note, this is encouraging news, that Patton is now out of his walking boot. When it comes to Wolves draft workouts, they had another one on Monday. Former Apple Valley guard and Duke guard Gary Trent Jr. was in town. He then jetted off to the airport. He has a workout on Tuesday with the Golden State Warriors. Jared Terrell of Rhode Island was also in on Monday. That per the Rhode Island basketball Twitter page, that is Terrell's second workout with the Wolves. The Wolves are also trying to get Raleigh Hawkins in from Arizona for a second workout and Devin Hall of Virginia for a second workout. There might be some other guys, too, that they're trying to get in, whether it's Tuesday or Wednesday or maybe even Thursday morning, although I don't know how doable that is. More like maybe Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, but I do know the Wolves are trying to get at least a couple more guys, if not maybe more than that, in for a second look. Brandon McCoy, big man from UNLV, is another name that I haven't previously reported, another name that was in town earlier this month for a Wolves workout. The Wolves also had a draft workout, a group draft workout on Saturday. Here is the full list. A reminder, the Wolves are one of a few teams that does not announce any draft workout. So it's on guys like me to dig. Here is what I dug up for Saturday's workout. Troy Brown Jr. of Oregon. He's a first-round pick. France point guard Elia Kobo. He's a first-round pick. From Michigan, Duncan Robinson. Arnaldus Kubolka 
from Lithuania. He was a good player overseas. He's a likely second-round pick. Here's an intriguing name from Tulane, Melvin Frazier. So, yeah, he was in town on Saturday. If the Wolves moved down from 20, he would definitely be an interesting name. And Andrew Rousey of Marquette. So it was Brown, Okobo, Robinson, Kubalka, Frazier, and Rousey for the workout at Mayo Clinic Square on Saturday. Adding a couple more notes, I'm wondering if Glenn Taylor will break his silence maybe after the draft or maybe after they sign a free agent or maybe heading into free agency. But I did reach out to the Wolf slash Lynx owner yet again, as you would know if you've listened to this podcast going back a few years. I mean, Glenn is as accessible an owner as there is, forget, in the Twin Cities. I would argue not only in the NBA, in all of professional sports. I mean, he takes media inquiries. He answers questions. He's honest. Well, Glenn hasn't done any interviews since the Rick Brunson fiasco and some of the other fallout from the offseason. And I tried to frame it as, hey, I'd like to have Glenn on A, for a draft preview. B, we'll talk some links. And I always do. I mean, I always talk links with with Glenn. And he's been a fixture at Target Center. He was courtside on Saturday for the Lynx's win over New York. But he continues to turn down, for whatever reason or reasons, Glenn continues to turn down interview requests. So I don't know if he just doesn't want to answer questions about Rick Brunson, that fiasco, or anything else going on over there. But I do find it interesting from my standpoint that as accessible an owner as there is in all of sports is turning down interview requests going back to the end of the season. I mean, really, since the end of April, Glenn Taylor has turned down interview requests, maybe a little after that. I think he did WCCO Radio, my good buddy Chet Hartman's radio show, at one point, maybe during the playoff series against Houston or maybe immediately right after. But then after that, he has not done any interviews. I mean, he's turned down interviews. I'm not the only one who's reached out to him. I know that. But he has turned down a number of us going back at least four weeks, maybe even five or six weeks. There was a national report suggesting the Suns and Utah have interest in Bielitsa. That was one of the first guys that Brian brought up in our conversation. Yeah, I mean, there's definite interest. I mean, that report, from what I can gather, is spot on, especially Utah. You think about Bielitsa's close friendship with Ricky Rubio, Utah always looking for dynamic players, shooters, the way Quinn Snyder plays. I think Bielitsa would be an excellent fit in Salt Lake City. So I do know that those are two teams to keep an eye on when it comes to Bielitsa. A reminder, he is a restricted free agent. So the Wolves, depending on if they can get a guy with the mid-level exception, like if you bring in Avery Bradley, okay, maybe it's a little bit easier to not match an offer on Bielitsa. But the Wolves will have first right of refusal. If they want to match on Bielitsa, they'll be able to do that. All right, appreciate you listening. If I can hop back on the microphone before Thursday with anything I can gather, I certainly will. Otherwise, maybe after Thursday, I can do a draft review. And certainly with the draft, a lot of the off-season chatter starts to pick up even more. So I think there'll be a reason for me to get in front of a microphone Friday or I'm in the office Sunday, Monday, but then I'm out of the office for a long time. So I will do my best to record episode 155 when I can. And again, if I gather information before Thursday, maybe I just do a short podcast and you can always watch channel five, watch channel 45. You can go to the 1500 ESPN website. You can go to the KSTP website, kstp.com. And you can always follow me on Twitter. I normally put a lot of stuff on Twitter, not everything. I haven't tweeted about Cole Aldrich or a few other notes I threw in this podcast, but I do tweet a lot of things. D Wolfson, KSTP at D Wolfson, 
KSTP. Appreciate you listening. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 154.